Each week, nearly a dozen movies are released theatrically. 40 films a month, more than 400 a year. That's a plethora of cinema. Too much cinema. You'd have to be an addict to see all that. But don't fret. We've got you covered. This is Cinematics. Welcome to Cinematics, episode 177. Has it been that many? Has it been that few? I can't believe it. Uh, I'm Anderson. I've lathered about films here and there. That's Greg Serzavosky, some kind of critics uh, award winner, uh, giver. He he says things about movies all the time and people listen. Uh, Chill boy. The chill boy. We got Eric Hamslime over there, also known as Eric Holmes. Uh, And then we got uh, Bruce Perky. Uh, We are all talking about films so that you don't have to go see everything we try and see as much as we can especially these guys it's unbelievable do you guys even have like friends or family at this point yeah i I listen every single week and the amount of films you guys are unearthing and discussing i guys i listen to other film podcasts i spot check things and there's i'm not just saying this for the because i'm i'm tangentially uh, involved with the show and associated with the show but you guys cover you created the show anderson you create you're not tangentially you're you're the boss you guys cover more <laughs> shows more films than any other show that i listen to uh okay. that i spot check I, you guys really make sure that you unearth and 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 shed uh shine a light on on movies that are not being talked about and should be talked about in many cases or should be uh warned about right so yeah thank you I, anderson i love what you guys have been doing thank you uh, um, great. I, stop saying thank you i'm talking to I, bruce and <laughs> <laughs> good you're right i was gonna wow. say I was going to say uh, Bruce and Eric do a really great job. I don't like them as people, but they do a great job, and that's why they're part of the show. You guys okay with that? That's fair. You don't have to like them as people. They're good at the job. Yeah. <laughs> Very good at the job. <laughs> what, are you drinking a beer there, Eric? What, what's going on? Yeah. Did I catch yeah. you? Red yeah, Stripe. Uh, uh, red Stripe apple juice. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. All right. So on today's program, we're going to be uh, – Bruce, I didn't open your – I should have probably opened your document that you put together uh, on today so I can know what's going on. On today's program, we're going to be talking to you about the movies that are coming out this week, February 17th. The uh, the boys have uh, flagged some that they find uh, to be interested. They've seen a few of them as well. Uh, and I have flagged uh, but one, only one. And I'm excited to hear what you guys have thoughts on on that. So this is going to be covering uh, movies, new movies that are coming out February 17th. And I think we're going to talk about a couple old ones as well, right? Right. I think the most important thing, Bruce and Eric, I actually got an email the other week saying that, Greg, we would appreciate as listeners to the episode if there's less of your voice on the episode and way Agreed. more. An- and right, right. Way more Anderson Cowan, no. Bruce Disagreed. and Eric. And uh, that was signed Bruce and Eric. So they, they want more of you, Anderson. So to oh. that point, we want to know with the last 30 days, Anderson Cowan, of what you've seen, what you've loved, enlighten us on some of the movie picks you got for us. Uh, yeah, it's been, um, a catch up. This is the time of year where I ignore the new ones for the most part, because it's just a dumping ground, uh, all the way through February. People are, you know, there's definitely some interesting movies that do get released. And that's the point of the show is, is finding the, uh, the needles in the haystacks. But, uh, for the most part, I'm just covering, uh, picking, uh, catching up with movies that I had missed from last year. Um, and, that involved like as far as movies that should be watched that uh people might have missed from last year and i don't this is not new to you guys but athena i finally caught up with athena and was uh, somewhat blown away with what the thing that caught me off guard with athena was you know i'd been hearing all about this one or that opens it up and the other one is just the insanity that was the filmmaking i i watched the uh, making of which is a 37 minute uh addendum to the uh companion piece to the athena a french film which is just a, it's in it's like raid redemption 3 essentially in a lot of ways um and i watched the making of which is just crazy i heard you guys talking about a little bit of that as well but i think what's getting lost is this is a great story like this could have been told in a much more traditional way without all the insane camera uh work and it still would have stood up and i and i think that the story is almost getting a little bit lost with in in the filmmaking of it all i don't know if you guys agree with me there i i would because it's definitely like a a post black lives matter kind of uh kind of deal yeah it's a response to all that stuff that was going on over here to a lesser extent over there but i think that's what inspired it for sure yeah it's it's good stuff and they got the uh go ahead bruce i was gonna say i think any movie where it's like i mean it's kind of uh kind of a universal right brothers kind of all at odds over you know what they consider is the right way of attacking like i don't know injustice and all that kind of stuff and having it be this kind of visceral emotional story and then just throw the technical stuff in there on top of that i think i think it is pretty compelling either way 
Yeah, and just the brothers, there's four brothers total. One uh, we never meet because he is the uh, inciting incident. He he was murdered at the hands of the police, or was he? And then we get these three other uh, brothers who are all from completely different walks of life, and they represent the different factions within our own society, uh, especially as Westerners. And so we get to see, you know, the the guy who believes that his side is right. And uh, we see the guy who believes, you know, his side of law and order is right. And then we see the brother who's just in it for himself and he doesn't care. He's just trying to sell his drugs to whoever will take him. He's self-serving. And we get these three very different factions and, and, and we kind of see how they're at least two of the sides are right, right? There's only one despicable person in there. I think that mix. And I feel like that messaging is maybe getting a little bit lost or overshadowed with uh but you know i don't know if people see the movie if it's just a straightforward um uh, movie with with that messaging and with, with that lens as it were so i really liked athena anderson can i quickly interject and say a tw- congratulations on 20 years of the film vault and my question to you is are you tired of talking about movies even though you're a director yourself after 20 years are is it finished or are you ready to go 25 to 30 years of talking movies Oh, uh, no, I, I'll never get sick of talking. I was just in a situation. I wish I had. I was just in a situation recently where things were getting a little heated and I de-escalated it by talking about a movie. What wow. was it? Yeah. And I got two people that were kind of arguing about something and I started talking about a movie and they both liked it. And then they ended up. Where was that? At a bar? At a school? Uh, that school? sounds like a bar, but it wasn't a bar because I don't go to bars anymore. So where the fuck? Yeah, you can say, oh, you, you know, can, where? Yeah, where? Yeah, it was, it was at a, a friend's, uh, a gathering that I was at last weekend. Yeah. And they were arguing about political bullshit. And then I, like, I'm going to dumb it down and talk movies. And I got these guys on the same page about a movie. I could, movies do that. I love it. Yeah. So I will, I love talking about movies. I honestly, I feel a little pressure talking about movies into microphones, which is where I talk about movies more often. I, I still love just the organic conversation with, you know, like, parents other parents when i'm in line uh you know waiting to pick up atticus or something i, I love just the the easy conversations uh it's it, it a little a little pressure here when you got to talk in the microphone and you realize that people might be you know listening to you what was the movie that kept the peace was it uh i don't War, i can't remember that war either. horse or ai anderson and i'm gonna shut <laughs> the- it might have been the terminal <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> uh, I mean, I that, saw- that, that was his last good movie so i also I'm not gonna saw- fight you too hard on that uh, hit the road. I don't know if you guys have seen Hit the Road. Yes, oh, yeah. yes. I, I, heard, I heard you guys talking about that on the film vault. I was so excited. You talked about that and Athena. I'm like, sweet. How yeah. did you get it? How did you and Brian get your hands on Hit the Road? Was it your discovery, Anderson? Hoopla, hoopla. It's on wow. hoopla right now. But no, it's just showing up on a bunch of top ten um, lists. You know, I, I, I over the, the last ten years or so, I've ignored the Oscars more and more each with each passing year, and I, I rely he- heavily on you know looking at uh, critics, some of the top critics uh, in, in, that we have, and their top ten lists, which you know obviously come out December a lot of times, sometimes January. They leak into January, and there'll be a few on there that uh, I I may have missed. Usually, I will catch up with them, and it's like, yeah, I missed this because. Because it wasn't made for me, but some of them, some of them are. And I can't say hit the road was made for me, but it's definitely got a lot of value there. And I'm, I'm glad I saw it. It was just fam- the family and the car dyna- dynamic. You like the road trip thing or just the whole dialogue, the way it, the story unfolded. What, I like what, the quiet humor, the subtle humor. I like the family themselves. And I just really like seeing, you know, Iranians acting as, you know, portrayed as like a family unit uh, with very relatable uh, themes and situations, because so often as Westerners, we're only we, we see Iranians in films as enemies, terrorists or, you know, just dealing with strife and political unrest. And it was nice to just see a, a family and uh, being relatable so that I mean, that's what it's you know, people are fucking people. Like, oh, I just cussed. It, no, no, no. We can cuss. We can cuss here. And it's just rare. Say, it, it's not I mean? it's not poverty porn. No, it's not no, poverty porn. No, not. So I'm I'm just tired of everything. And Sundance is so guilty of it too. Like they're like, look at how important we are. Not just Sundance, but a lot of these. Like we're we're putting you know this group of people first, and we're putting them up, you know, and, and shining a light. And then you just watch them suffer. And it's like, can't we just see people be people so that we can, you know, understand people a little bit better? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's yeah. a beautiful movie. Beautiful movie. Speaking of poverty porn and getting us out of poverty, Eric Holmes, before we go on to our features, can you talk about some of them? What have you been working on to keep this family together the past couple of weeks, Eric Holmes? I don't know what you're talking about, but we saw movies this week and we will talk about them. Eric Holmes says, find your film He's been creating merch for our site. Oh. 
Anderson okay. just saw it the other night. What do you think, Anderson? The hoodies and then the shower curtains. Oh, it's Are you beautiful. okay with it? It looks, it looks, it looks uh, gorgeous. It's beautiful stuff. Beautiful stuff. A little confusing because it's find your film and then all the stuff uh, for the most part is uh, cinematic. So a little, a little confusing with the uh, the melding of the two worlds. But uh, anyone who listens to this program and they want to be even more esoteric than they might already be in their daily life <laughs> should uh, wear cinematics uh, gear for sure. I think. <laughs> definitely oh, it, oh can sorry, i can I'm, i cut back real quick to uh movies that i'm yeah. catching up with and whatnot and, and yeah of top course 10 lists from critics i asked each of you except for you greg uh eric and, <laughs> and bruce what your favorite movie was uh, of last year and i gotta tell you bruce it was like pulling teeth you guys <laughs> he's like bell was my favorite movie from last year i'm like okay well, that's a 2021 release and it was uh and then we had a fight over it <laughs> yeah and so it was like the emails back and forth and he finally said okay everything everywhere all, all at once was my favorite film of last year and i said all right thank you jeez i because bell was on my list i think from two years ago because technically it's a it's a 2021 release um eric gave me a movie i'd never heard of before which didn't surprise me <laughs> eric what was that uh, I think it was after blue, but after also blue. like I have like a top 30 that could all be number one. And then Greg, what was your favorite movie of 2022? There's this movie that Eric Holmes covered. Uh, it's called missing. And the Japanese name is Sagasu. Uh, yes. And it, I, that could have been number one too. Yeah. I, it's just an amazing film, Anderson. Just, uh, it's a, it's a serial killer film and it centers on this girl whose dad tells his, they lost her mother. So he's a single parent and he tells his daughter, Hey, we're going to get out of our poverty right now. I'm going to find this serial killer in town, in and and don't worry. I'm going to get the reward money. We're going to be fine. So part of the movie is it's a little girl trying to find her dad who's gone missing, and the other part of the movie is who how are they going to find this serial killer? So it's I don't know. Eric Bruce is it kind of a David Fincher esque type movie? Am I wrong about this or what is it? It's just a layered drama, Anderson. I think. I think you would flip for it personally. So it, it, it feels like a Bong Joon Ho movie, kind of like it's kind of in that in that sort of wheelhouse, which isn't which isn't surprising because he's worked as I think an assistant director. He's worked with Bong Joon Ho before, and so it, it makes sense that some of that kind of rubbed off rubbed off on him. I think it's a and I don't know Bruce if you agree because it's an Anderson movie because it's a one of these excellent movies you're gonna have to unearth. It's a gem. It's from Dark Star Pictures, and it's not like. Anderson, it's not like on the main critics level. It's just people who are digging deep and trying to find some stuff. I think Bruce, you gave it four and a half on your. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot too. I think to to sell it, I would say is it's a genre movie, right? But it also it goes in really weird ways, and it also narratively does some really interesting things. It kind of switches focus, like what at least twice, maybe three times. And it gives it a lot more, I think, emotional heft than you usually get in those kind of movies. But it also does the job of a genre movie. It it gives you the, you know, the the mystery thriller to some degree. It's yeah. really cool. Eric and I, we have the Blu-ray copy and we both pur- we both purchased the Blu-ray and we both purchased it on demand. That means me and Eric are pretty much idiots. We just doubled our fine our expenses, but we both love the movie and Physical. Bruce loves it as well. Yeah. Media. So it's on Good. the level. Anderson Sorry. How do you find this movie? Because I mean, I, it's everyone's going to confuse it with missing the the sequel uh, to. Yeah, uh, you have to look up Sagasu. S a g a s u. That's not yeah. good. A marketing campaign. That's not it, smart. It's not. <laughs> well, <laughs> calling it missing is an even worse marketing campaign. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, no, you're right. You're right. It's no one's going to find it. I heard you guys talking about this when I was in the car, and I'm like, I, I know they're not talking about the new missing. Uh, yeah. The, the the standalone sequel to uh was it searching or yeah searching right yeah. john show movie yeah uh yeah well i guess it wasn't really they didn't really have uh the u.s in mind for marketing when they, when they came up with this campaign anderson missing is almost is pretty much on the level of such movies as the parallax view in california split <laughs> i'm just saying i'm just saying it that's what we're doing for patreon uh this month uh, 1974 those are our two movies para the parallax view and uh and uh, California Split, uh, Robert Altman film. Uh, speaking of which, we should get to that, Greg. There's so much I, I wanted to. I also have on my list, guys, Bones and All, which I got to catch up with. Decision Same. to Leave, which I've been Same. meaning to watch. I had Decision to Leave uh, linked to it before it came out. I, much like Greg does often, I have not watched it. <laughs> uh, the Beauty and the Bloodshed. I'm hearing really good things about that. Yes. Uh, it's, a documentary. That and, it's a documentary. Uh, yeah. Eric. Soft and Quiet, as well yeah. as. Uh, yeah, soft opinions. and quiet. Soft and quiet will get talked about for sure. Soft and quiet's a love and hate kind of movie, but I've I've watched that one. I've all, and I've heard you. My finally, I've uh, Saint Omar, 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 which I've heard you guys. Saint Omer, uh, no, which Bruce Omer, and Eric, 
put that they they actually emailed me they Eric Eric said it's his favorite film from 2022 Saint Omer Eric is that such thing Holy Holy Spider look for Holy Spider Oh, Holy, Holy Spider! I, it's on my top. It might be my top ten. I absolutely. Oh, love that's right. Holy you Spider. saw it. You did yeah, see yeah. it. Okay. Yes, Holy Spiders. I should be talked about more for sure. Uh, Maybe it changed my favorite movie of the twenty twenty two. Holy Spider was so good. Yeah, so good. But I mean, nothing touches Dinner in America. So let's not get silly, guys. Let's not get yeah. silly. So no, wait, Anderson, Anderson, did you announce it yet on TFV, or does everyone know that Dinner in America is your your favorite film? Of Anyone who listens closely knows that that's. I mean, there's just nothing that will unearth that. Wait, wait, uh, okay, Anderson, Dinner in America, favorite film since what? How many years do you go back on this? Uh, it's my it's my favorite movie since a ghost story. No, <laughs> yeah, it really. What about, what about I, I once upon a time in uh, Hollywood? I absolutely love that, but it didn't have the same kind of impact oh, as either really? one of these ones did. Yeah. Have have very, very different more, ways. Anderson, have you seen Dinner in America more than once? Have you actually? I'm not be- allowed to see movies more than once because of time restraints, but uh, constraints. But yeah, I've seen it three times. You know, <laughs> if we ever rebrand, we should be called the Movie Sharks because we have to keep swimming forward. I think that's what we do. <laughs> that's <laughs> only primitive sharks, like the Seven Gillers, like a lot of modern day sharks. Can <laughs> well, stop have you seen how much gray hair is in, in this group of people here? There is. I know. My wife just uh, a couple days ago. She's like, "Your beard is getting so white." I'm like, just shut it. <laughs> Shut it down, woman. <laughs> uh, so we, all right, yeah, go ahead. Andrew. For uh, our next, uh, our next, our next uh, uh, year, Greg, just to get this out of the way, I'm, oh, I'm yeah. trying the random number generator, but it's just constantly. <laughs> Can you just uh, put 1940s somewhere in the 1940s? Well, we only have one left. Wait, 1943 is the only one. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm thinking that we do uh, 1968 instead. 1968, okay. 1968 is our Patreon for the month of March. Right, so I'm yes. excited for that. And now, after this episode, Anderson and I will be will be covering the year 1974 with California Split and the Parallax View. And I don't know whether after this episode, I might want I'm I may have to just finish the Patreon episodes with Anderson because these are movies that are very dear, and I don't want Anderson to say any kind of boo boo kind of words on these movies. These are going to be words. Boo boo. This the this this better be rhapsodic. Jesus Christ, boo boo words. <laughs> <laughs> this better be rhapsodic dinner in America reveries from Anderson Cowan, director of Groupers. I I better hear just melodies for about forty minutes on great. We're movies, gonna okay? have some nice conversations about these two movies, Greg. <laughs> okay, speak. I love this era. I love oh. this era. I love it. Movies from the seventies, especially just because of my my new appreciation of like mid century modern shit and 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 going to estate sales and the mm. business that uh, Jillian has put together and and assisting with that business is so much fun. I really have a, a newfound appreciation for old stuff and seeing it as new stuff in the background of all these movies. It just makes the the experience of watching old movies all the richer. So it's it's a lot of fun. Anderson, before we get to the main features, um, what's it been like just chatting with people for how long do you get to chat with them when the chat with a- chat with Andy, chat with Anderson Cowan? Can you tell? Has it been oh, yeah, fun? I haven't really been because I just haven't had the time. But yeah, I should carve out some more time. And I'm doing one with a guy on a forklift, I think, pretty soon. Like he works a forklift job and he I've done one with him before. He cruises around and shows me where he works. And then we talk movies while he's working with the forklift and moving stuff around on pallets. Yeah, uh, chat with Andy's. Uh, I think it's available on the website. It's available somewhere. If you'd like to get at me and talk to me about uh, anything or even assign me a movie, even though I'm too stacked to do that right now. So I have to shut that off. But uh, I have too much stuff. I, I'm too busy. Ah! You need to do a, a, a premium feature instead of chat with Andy. They can do chow and with Cowan and they can come yeah. and have a dinner with you. Everyone just <laughs> smacks their lips and shoes in the microphone. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm enjoying my succulent Chinese meal. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm making the Chow with Cowan shirt on the uh, merch store. By the Chow with Cowan. All right, hey, let's let's talk about new movies. What's out there, guys? What's what's worth our time and energy as far as new movies go? And then are we are we talking? Uh, is this where we're, we're going to talk about a, a classic that's no one that's not a classic because no one talks about it? And that is uh, Turtles Can Fly. Are we going to do that later? Oh yeah. Are we going to be talking about After Sun? What are we doing here? We're going to talk about, uh, yeah, we can talk about Atherton like before we wrap because I want to ask you, Anderson, if I've actually had the, the screener for the last month and a half. I, I was a voter. I didn't see it. So maybe, and I haven't listened to TFE. So maybe you can tell me whether that's worth it. But Anderson, I don't know if this movie called Devil's Peak is worth it. Bruce and Eric saw it. Stars Billy Bob Thornton, Robin Wright. Seems like an Appalachian crime thriller, crime drama with Hooper or Hopper Penn. I don't know how, who, one of the pens, the, the, the son of, uh, Robin and, uh, Robin Wright Penn and Sean Penn, it doesn't look good. 
Bruce? No, it looks it looks really ungood. Bruce, cool. yes, ungood. De- Devil's Peak theaters February seventeenth on demand February seventeenth. Should people not do either? Uh, and it's got Jackie Earl Haley too. You didn't mention that he's in there. Uh, yeah, well, it's okay. I wouldn't say this is great. Um, what's the basic concept? You've got um, Billy Bob Thornton as kind of Appalachian like drug dude, methy drug dude, and his son is Hopper Penn. It's a very Nepo Baby-ish kind of movie. If you're hearing a lot about that recently with all these Nepo Baby stuff. It feels what, what like... Is what is that, Bruce? <laughs> supposedly when people are getting jobs just because they're, you know, the kids of famous people. Oh, and, Nepo Baby, yeah. Yeah. I want to do and, uh, uh, a nepotism that works. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and a lot of times I find that the ones that get the jobs are doing great and they're doing awesome. This one, I he think he kind of sticks out. Uh, Mr. Hopper kind of sticks out as a very non-interesting thumb in this movie for my taste. But anyway, there's Ooh. not much to this movie. There isn't yeah. much to this movie other than um, a lot of Billy Bob Thornton being a really evil, like a uh, druggy guy. And his stuff is great. I mean, you can kind of hang your hat on whether you enjoy watching Billy Bob kind of chew up the scenery in this role or whether you don't. Uh, I think it's almost fun enough to recommend, but I don't know. I think Eric might like it a bit more, but we'll see. Uh, yeah. Well, first of all, it's also starring uh, Caitlin Nakin, who I, I think it's Nakin, N-A-C-O-N, uh, but we'll probably be talking about her more next week when we cover Lynn Nolan because she's in that as well. This is kind of like a, I don't know, redneck thriller, similar to Place Beyond the Pines or Out of the Furnace. This one's not as good as either one of those. It picks up in the last half, I think. I uh, chopped the first half of the movie, and this is a pretty decent redneck thriller, but everything leading up to that was like... Uh, Okay, let's go. Let's go. Billy Bob Thornton's evil. Got it. Okay. And then when it starts picking up, the the last half gets pretty good. But, uh, man, getting there. Getting there is rough. Um, Getting there is rough. This sounds like lower than three stars for both of you. Bruce and Eric, what are your star ratings on Devil's Peak? I would go with an exactly middle rating, which is two and a half. Two and a Uh, half. I think uh, I think Bruce is right on the money. It, had this uh, had this been a little tighter in the first half, this could have been three and a half, four star. But as it is, probably two and a half because there's just too much fat here. So yeah, is it the exposition and the, the world building and the uh, just the setup is kind of just drab and dull and unimaginative. They, they they just don't get to the point. Like I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out what the point of this is, and they're just spending too much time doing nothing and. I, I I don't I I don't even remember the first half is just a bunch of uh, right over my head or as you say in one eye out the other yeah it, it, a lot of that here okay cool. so can't wait to not see I apologize <laughs> Eric Holmes I, last... it, it, if you see it start at like uh, forty five minutes in and then just watch the last half no. the last half is pretty good <laughs> that's the way so I watched a lot of movies growing up as a kid uh, it wasn't quite that bad but my dad was notoriously late for everything. Oh geez, and we would show up more often than not, and I'm not, I'm not kidding. There's no exa- exaggeration here. We'd show up 20 minutes into the movie, and then watch the movie, and then we'd sit there, and he would ask the usher if we could sit and wait for the next screening, for the next showing, and we would watch all the trailers and watch the first 20 minutes of the movie, and then walk out. I saw more movies in the theater like that before I was 12 than the other way, <laughs> just from beginning to end. And it was actually kind of interesting because I you know, I picked up on foreshadowing quite a bit by watching them that way. I don't know what kind of an impact it had on me, but uh, yeah, I would not ever do that uh, by choice, Eric. So no, I'm not going to watch it that way. Well, you're, I, I think your dad was on to something because a lot of movies we've been watching lately, it's like, to, you can cut that first half hour. But then we'd you know stick I mean? around and we'd have to wait for that. To, to, we, I, yeah. I watched Usher's clean up for 20 minutes and, you know. Yeah, he, he almost had it right. Yeah. <laughs> he had it was the interesting right where you go there late. But it he, definitely he, got me like hooked on like foreshadowing and like hidden, you know, Easter eggs that show up again later and like make sense, you know, I, piecing things together. It's it, I don't know. Maybe Maybe that's one of many reasons why my brain doesn't work. Like linear and and properly, <laughs> who knows? Anderson, did you like what's that Cory Booker documentary that you were you liked several years back? Am I Street correct? Fight. On the, Street Fight, yeah. Street I saw fight. that he's in a new uh, political documentary. You going to talk? You to cover that one? Yeah, I think Eric I, and I apologize to Eric. Eric saw this spot several weeks ago. I think Bruce saw this two weeks ago. Guys, do we recommend this to Anderson because he's a documentary very passionate about the form? Is this worth watching? Street Fight Street was fantastic, fight. and that was uh, the the mayoral is that a word um, race. Uh, Against oh what was that guy's name? 
Mm-hmm. He was I going up against this. Yeah, you see it, Bruce. Uh, so yeah, he was trying to be uh, the new mayor of Newark, and uh, you know he was he was dipping his toe into the political waters that are uh, very dirty, and there's a lot of. And it was the like, first time anyone had uh, really seen Cory Booker too. He's a fresh faced kid. Sharp Man, James. I saw this. Sharp James. Thank you. I knew it sounded like a football player. Uh, and isn't Sharp James like a football player's name, like a wide receiver? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, it, I saw this in the in the theater, uh, and I absolutely loved it. It was gripping and uh, just kind of a, a good look at uh, what politics have become. And that was like 20 years ago, probably. So yeah. uh, here we are again uh, with Cory Booker in, in a political documentary. Uh, what? Tell me the title, guys, and what uh, if it's worth watching. Go for it, Eric. It's your turn. <laughs> Oh, sorry. I was doing a thing. Uh, the first step. What's the first step, Eric? First step. The, oh, the first step. So um, the first step is uh, directed by Brandon Kramer and produced by uh, his brother, Lance Kramer. It's basically about Van Jones lobbying to get the First Step Act, which is uh, criminal reform. I think the best part about this documentary is that typically political do- documentaries are cooked one way or another. Uh, they, they play for one team or another, and I don't like them. Uh, this one seems to be a lot more, uh, widespread trying to tell a story. And in fact, it also kind of, kind of shows how politics in general is kind of, uh, fool's errand of just a bunch of idiots, uh, playing for a sports team. Here's someone trying to do, um, prison reform. And to do that, he needs to get Donald Trump on board. Because Donald Trump's the president, and if he's not on board, then this bill's not going to pass. And, of course, once uh, Donald Trump looks at it, he's like, yeah, it sounds good. And then he signs off on it, and all of a sudden, everyone on the left's like, well, this is stupid. We need less prison reform. You know, it, it's everyone puts their cards on the table that they're they're putting their politics before people. And it, I think it's a really good uh, documentary, and it highlights something that I think a lot of people fall victim to as much as they say they don't. They right. totally do. Um, you, you could you could be completely against kicking puppies, but as soon as Donald Trump says, "Yeah, I don't like kicking puppies," all of a sudden it's like kicking puppies is my God given right, and I will do that as much. You know, but, all of a sudden, all of a sudden your your morals uh, and ethics go in the trash because someone on the other side agrees with you on something that's yeah, for sure should agree on. I mean, that's that's. I think that's very obvious to pretty much everyone but then everyone falls victim to it exactly and i and i think with movies like this i'm always hopeful like you know people will see this they'll see the light and they'll see how ridiculous they themselves are being but i don't know i mean i see i see so many movies and it's like there'll be a particular character in there and i you know i they remind me of a horrible person in my own life and i and i wonder like when that person's watching this movie do they relate to that character think that character shreds you know rules or or do they not recognize themselves in it? And I think people fall victim of not recognizing themselves in things too often. I don't know. I don't know. Unfortunately, you're a hundred percent correct on that. It's very rare that someone sees the people that need to see something. They'll watch it, but they don't see it. You know, yeah. they don't see themselves in it when they absolutely or should. They do the Archie Bunker thing where it's like, that kind of makes a lot of sense. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, the, those people are hopeless and, well, I mean, Brian, like Brian, well, I found out Brian uh, Bishop, my uh, my my uh, my wife over there at the film vault, he, <laughs> he, he was watching uh, Succession and like he really responds to that character, Kendall. He thinks Kendall's like the hero of the story. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I think he really believes that. Well, part I, of him believes that. So that is so funny. That. Credit goes to Brian Bishop for teaching. Did you like that message, Anderson? Listen to the film vault for the 20 year celebration. Yeah. But, yeah. Very, very good. Yeah. Our, very our, good. Our, our buddy Mitch Burns over there who did a lot of good work for us. He put together a, a little surprise, uh, happy 20th anniversary, even though it's kind of, Giovanni kind of created this whole thing, uh, this 20 year anniversary. We first did something 20 years ago, but then we took like promptly took seven years off before doing it again or thereabout. No, we took like four years off. So we have not been doing the film vault uninterrupted for 20 years. So it sounds a little bit better than it is. Uh, guys, we steamrolled a little bit over all of Eric's hard work, uh, in the merch store. And I, I don't want that to get lost in the weeds here. So Eric, can you, uh, can you talk a little bit more about that? Or did we, do you feel like we covered that? But I mean, I, I, I... 
I think we covered it, but if you go to uh, findyourfilmpodcast.com, you can find all sorts of cinematics <laughs> merch. But I, I, <laughs> yeah, is there like a, a link in this as well? Totally yeah, makes yeah, sense. Yeah. I, in fact, uh, I should be like, uh, if we start posting this on YouTube, I believe the uh, merch store will be linked to the YouTube thing, so you cool. can go right there. Yeah. Um, and I did, I did put up some, uh, I redesigned some of the old Find Your Film uh, logos and put some of that on there as well. If anyone wants that, no one does. But if you do, cool. it's there. And yeah, find and, it. yeah, and might have some other surprises coming up in the future. Got to do some uh, quality checks on those before I get to it. But yeah, got got some other fun ideas coming up. Yeah, so listeners, if there's a way you you can support us, uh, you buy some hoodies or shower curtains or shirts on findyourfilmpodcast.com. We're also available. I don't you don't know this, Anderson, but on our Deepest Dream YouTube channel, because it's monetized, you can actually see the store on our YouTube channel as well. All I of do the know posts, that because you sent yeah. me a text about that. Oh yeah, you you go yeah. on the Deepest Stream YouTube channel to find cinematics <laughs> merch on FinderFilmPodcast.com. Yeah. And, like and just remember, some umbrella work I, here. I, kids. I, and it's very snaky. It's very snaky. And all of the proceeds will go to Bruce Anderson and Eric. I am abstaining from getting any kind of profits because. Look, to be honest, I've been stealing from all three of these guys for the last several years. So they get all the proceeds. I, does, I don't does I, seem yeah. that way. I, I get updates all the time about you made nine cents from, <laughs> from Buzzsprout. And they were constantly letting me know throughout the day, you just made seven cents. I'm like, hell yes, honey. That's a, lot, that's a lot of money, Anderson. Speaking of money, Bruce, should people spend their money to see the first step in theaters February 17th? Nice, Gregor. Uh, well, I would say money, maybe not, but I would definitely, It's a it's a rental for me. Uh, one little thing I'll, I'll mention on top of that that uh, Eric didn't mention is one really cool part of the movie as well is Van Jones, uh, as part of his kind of uh, efforts to get both sides to buy into what he's doing, he gets this this one group uh, that's in the uh, L.A. Uh, L.A. like um, drug rehabilitation and crime and prison rehabilitation scene and the same thing in Appalachia. And he takes the groups to each other. And I think that is a very interesting to watch as well. So I'd okay. say it's, it's to me, it's like three, three and a half stars, somewhere in that range. So we'll go. I, I should also mention if uh, you're in my uh, neck of the woods, uh, there's two Colorado screenings, one on February 21st in Harkins, Denver, Northfield 18, and Wednesday the 22nd at Dairy Arts Center in Boulder. So Bruce, are localizing. Cool. Yeah. Bruce, three or three and a half on you. What do you think? Where does a, where does um, a dark go? If you're interested in politics and some of the stuff we were talking about, which I'm a little more interested than maybe some people would be, I would say three and a half for me. Okay, so, I think, cool. feel like three everyone's involved in politics these days. Everybody makes it their yeah. their business. And as Eric, they Eric Holmes, you banged this one? You banged the first step? What is it? Yeah, I, I give five five stars on this. And unfortunately, for the exact reason Anderson said is important, I think this movie is. And as much of a light it points on uh, the hypocrisy hypocrisy of playing teams in politics no one that needs to hear the message will hear the message they'll just go okay. right over their head yeah i yeah. feel like we should wear our heart on our sleeve and, and and be foolish with things that don't matter like sports right and i absolutely do that i funnel so much energy into like my my beloved pittsburgh penguins with the hockey over there and movies too like having uh, opinions about movies but when it comes to th the things that actually affect people's lives we should maybe not do the sports thing, right? Yeah. You shouldn't play like, oh, uh, red's horrible, blue's awesome. She wears blue panties. I'm in. Whatever she says. <laughs> a a PI is a PI, no matter what team it's on. Anderson, a quick question: yeah. Have you ever rated a movie, given a movie a rating, and then a couple weeks later or a week later, you oh, realize yeah. that rating is not accurate? Yes, rarely goes the other way, but yeah, usually it's like. Wow, uh, that movie is sticking with me. I'm thinking about it more. It's having more of an impact than I than I imagined it would. After Sun you, is one of those movies. Oh, okay. After Sun is what we'll get. We're going to get to that in a second. There's a movie called Of an Age, written and directed by Gorn Stolevsky. I really love Gorn Stolevsky. I don't know about. I think Bruce gave You Won't Be Alone his previous movie a mixed review. I know Eric Holmes is very passionate about Stolevsky because he and I both love this movie. He released last year called You Won't Be Alone, a very epic yes. film starring Numi Rapace or Pace or I don't know how to pronounce her name. But this is a completely different movie of an age. Quote set in the summer of 1990, 1999, centers on a 17 year old Serbian born. Australian amateur ballroom dancer. And it's a 24 hour look at his unexpected romance with his best friend's 
older brother. So it's if you like movies like um, In the Mood for Love, like that Wong Kar Wai film or Happy Together, or just really intense. I don't even know about Atherson. I think Atherson's more of a familial thing, but Of an Age is a very passionate, uh, sort of um, shaky cam at times and very neurotic for the, for the first half and the second half is very heartbreaking and beautiful. I initially gave this four stars about a week ago. Going back to Eric's rating on the first step, I'm giving Of an Age five stars because this is a movie that within the last week has really resonated with me. It's a beautiful film and if you want to see a movie about two wonderful human beings, one of them is a 17-year-old teen, and the other one is like probably in his early 20s, and then you get to see the, how their lives are later on. This is a very – if you like romantic dramas that have a little bit of a heartache to them, this is worth watching. It only I don't know if it's a good news or a bad news thing. Of an age, it hits theaters only February 17th, five stars for me. And before we get to our main feature, The Integrity of Joseph Chambers, I'm sorry, Bruce. What do you have to quickly say about Husera the Bone Woman? Or Eric Yeah, Eric's hot. Husera the Bone Woman, uh, directed by Michelle Garza Cervera. So hope I didn't say it wrong. Uh, centers on Valeria, played by Natalia Sol. Oh boy, I didn't write it very well. Solian, I think it is. Okay. Um, well, remember we did Baby Ruby a few weeks ago about a woman uh, yes. in postpartum, yeah. kind of losing her mind. This is kind of. A version of that, but instead it's uh, a pregnant woman. She starts out, she's very excited. She lives in Mexico, super excited to have her first kid. Her husband's really excited. She's pregnant. It's going to be awesome. And then slowly she starts getting more and more disturbed by what she thinks is she's being, I don't know, haunted, or there's something going on where she sees this woman cracking her bones, kind of chasing her around. It's kind of a, you know, spooky ooky in the night kind of stuff that you've seen before. Unfortunately, that stuff, this movie could have been a great movie. This is like one of those lost opportunity movies to me, because the main character in this, uh, Valeria, is played really, really well by this young woman. And her life is really, really well laid out in this movie. You get to really understand her and you get to find out as you go along where she came from and how she's her life has kind of become settled into this domesticated life. And that is not how she was. I mean, you see kind of that she had this kind of punk rock, really kind of radical for her family um, style of youth. And now she's become this kind of, like I said, once again, uh, settled into this conventional lifestyle. And of course that's kind of happening and, and being, I guess, portrayed by her haunted nature, whatever. But I think all the spooky stuff didn't quite work for me and kind of was a little bit of a cop-out and kind of cheapened what could have just been a really great drama and in a lot of ways is a pretty good drama, but unfortunately kind of is derailed by this, the the spooky stuff. What do you think, Eric? Uh, well, first of all, I looked up Hoi Sarah and it means bone woman. So the bone woman, the bone woman. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, apparently it's a, f a folk, a folk tale of a uh, bone collector um, that goes and collects bones, usually wolves. And once they collect the full skeleton, the they sing the wolf back to life and the wolf goes and becomes free or something like that. I'm not sure what that has to do with this movie, but also like Bruce said, um, there's movies like the Babadook, the old way, Moloch, baby Ruby resurrection. And this kind of is like, if you like those movies, this is another one of them, but I don't think that it, uh, pushes that genre, whatever you want to call that genre. It, it doesn't do anything new. It's kind of more of the same. Uh, but if you like that, then go right for uh, the Bone Woman because it's just as good as the rest of them. Unfortunately, it just it doesn't add anything new. But it kind of worked for you, though, right? Even if it doesn't add anything new, you I, did it, you recommend it, was, it? it? It was fine. I wasn't like woo. I, I was kind of like oh, another one of the another one of these and which is fine because you know there's a, i watch a action movies and a lot of those are the same but i like those and so if you are into the babadook then you're gonna fall right into this because more of that uh but if you're kind of sick of that sort of thing or you're not that into the genre then probably not gonna probably not gonna uh shine to it as much okay ratings on Husera, the bone woman I will probably go, I'm going to go three stars generously so, because I really, really did like the main character and I liked her story. I just wish it had been in a different movie, but it was enough that it kept me going. What about uh, you, Eric? 
I'm probably going to go with three-star banger on this one. Uh, again, not my three-star banger, but if you're into that kind of movie, you're this is a good one of those. But if you're not into that kind of movie or you're bored of it, then it's not going to do anything for you. And Anderson, do you like people in the wilderness by themselves type of movies? Just those sort of very insular, one-person one play kind of things set in the wilderness? Do you like that? Does that sound sexy to you, Anderson? I, I like any movie that's well-made, that has really good characters and good dialogue. So if, if it, the dialogue's not great and the characters are kind of blah, then no, I don't want to be stuck in a forest with them. You know what I mean? So when I say something like something like The Integrity of Joseph Chambers, it stars Clint Crawford, and it's directed and written by Robert Machoyan, the team behind The Killing of Two Lovers. What do you think in your head? I think uh, I love The Killing of Two Lovers, so I'm absolutely uh, on board to see what he does here. If it's the same tone, then I'm in. That's it's it's not as explosive as The Killing of Two Lovers, but the premise is it's an insurance salesman named Joseph Chambers. He decided to actually move close to the mountains where his wife's family is located, and I believe they have two kids as well. And they're actually, I think they're played by the real, they're the real life children of Clay Crawford. But Joseph Chambers, he wants to prove that he's a man instead of just being a city slicker insurance salesman. So he decides to actually prove to his wife and his kids that he is a man of the wilderness. So instead of actually taking his family members with him on a hunting trip, he decides to go alone in the mid and just in the early morning to actually find and bag and kill a deer, bring the deer meat home and prove to his family that he's the man. Unfortunately, out in the woods, something really terrible happens and Joseph Chambers must act within his wits to figure out what is he going to do to save himself, save his uh, family, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I see this. Uh, this is actually really interesting because it, it's setting him up. He's having an identity crisis almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wanting to prove to his family. So he sets up this this uh, scenario on his own which is controlled and he you know he, he he's the, he's a mastermind behind it but then uh he goes out there and, and nature actually takes hold and, and and he's out he puts himself in a he's now in a situation that's out of his control and the actual thing that he's trying to prove presents itself to actually have to come down one way or the other yes in the asian version of this movie is called the integrity of greg srizavasi it's like instead of me going <laughs> to the wilderness it's me opening the door and actually leaving the house which i never do bruce and eric your thoughts on the movie uh, this one's uh, very deliberately paced, which means slow to most. Um, to me, I think it means deliberately paced. Uh, you get to watch him. You, actually, like he goes out, he wants to go hunting a deer, and you get to you're with him from the day he wakes up till the time, uh, you know, to to the end of the movie um, at night. There's not much story here. Explaining any of the story is a spoiler because it's literally the entire movie. Uh, it's very minimal. Um, but I, I don't know. It, it kind of puts you in the. It kind of puts you in the position. Like I was, I was with the, uh, I was with Joseph Chambers the entire time, and I was kind of, I was kind of interested. When normally a movie like this, I would be bored to tears by. I just kind of wasn't, and I what? don't quite understand why. I have not seen it. You guys all have. So let me ask this question. Back to what I said earlier. If you had to go on this hunting trip with Joseph Chambers, would is he somebody who you enjoyed spending time with or was he kind of a bore? Cause that's Bruce? what it comes down to, right? Yeah. Bruce, what do you think of that? I don't think he's a bore. Um, <laughs> uh, hmm. Or, okay. or B O O R. He's certainly, he's certainly <laughs> incompetent. <laughs> is good. So, okay. My first takeaway from this is after seeing the killing of two lovers, I think of that movie as being really almost, I mean, almost oppressively serious, right? And, and and very very ultra realism, right? It's just there's nothing kind of out of the box, but it's really really well done. Really well done. It's yeah, about a guy who's I've, losing his mind because he thinks yes. somebody may be cheating or or not. And yeah, so so for people who've seen that movie, which is a pretty small list, but for people who have seen that movie, I think one thing I would tell them is expect a little different flavor with this because this movie has i think and i was saying this to them i was halfway through watching it i think there's some really dark satirical comedy in this movie and i don't think it's unintentional uh and i think part of it is is that joseph chambers is a fool he is a buffoon he is an idiot he is self-deluded he thinks he is something he is not wait right. i personally relate to this guy right oh, well you know i don't know what to tell you there sir <laughs> um Anyway, and I think that if you have that in your mind, you can enjoy this for what it is. I'm not saying it doesn't get serious because it does get very serious, but it it uh, it's hard once again, like Eric is saying, I can't say certain things, but there's certain things that happen that 
I think people are going to think is expected to hit them a certain way. And to me, it almost played as a very, very dark comedy. Now, in the trailer, it's definitely giving me Jim Cummings vibes. Uh, and it definitely plays as comedic for sure. Not like fall down slapsticky funny, but dark comedy. And I'm getting Jim Cummings vibes from this particular actor. Uh, is that fair? I think, uh, yeah. Yeah. Sort, sort of. Because um, Jim Cummings is a little more snappy, like with the with the pacing of his movie, this one goes a lot slower, but yeah, I, you're not, you're not far off. Okay. Okay. So the integrity of Joseph Chambers in theaters and VOD this Friday, February 17th. I absolutely love this movie. We're I'm, I'm going to actually interview Clayton Crawford tomorrow. We'll put it on our cinematics feed. I'm giving it four and a half. Bruce Perky. What are you giving it? Four and a half. Four and a half. Eric Holmes. What are you giving it? I'll uh, uh hat trick. Four and a half. Four and a half, four and a half stars for the integrity of Joseph Chambers. And here's here's the thing, here's the caveat. Eventually, when Anderson has time, I know he's going to watch the integrity of Joseph Chambers. He is slammed to the gills with movies to watch. I can't wait to hear what Anderson count. Anderson, next month, yeah. report back on us on, on this movie, okay? I really wanted to see this with you guys and, and talk about it with you guys. I just I, I I just there wasn't enough time unless I were to start doing meth again. And I I don't want to start doing meth again. I'm a father. <laughs> yeah, you're a father. You know, Anderson, here's a couple things. What's in Anderson's box? Well, there's this movie called well, turtles can fly turtles can fly but you know who else can fly eric holmes see you later eric holmes get prepared for for your interview where are you going yes i'm going to uh interview colin west for um director of a movie called linoleum okay and, next week uh yeah we'll be talking about that next week anything else you can say about it any any, any teaser is a are you excited uh, it's or? got jim jim gaffigan and uh if i talk more about it i'll start being reviewing it but jim gaffigan is really good in this okay uh, he, uh jim gaffigan and it also starts Jim Gaffigan. So we'll uh, is, Jim, at that. is Jim in this? Yeah. <laughs> are you making this up, Eric, or do you just want to leave right now? Are you making this up right now? Or do you really have an, appo- an appointment? Oh, yeah, about totally. five minutes? yeah, totally. Okay. I don't mind the lie. <laughs> See you later, Eric. Thank you so much for your service. Bye, 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 bye. See you, Eric. Thanks right. for the message. Good talking to you guys. Okay, bye. bye. Anderson, we're at, it's not Thank Bruce God, Perky's he's box. Out of here, right? <laughs> I know, right? What's in Anderson's box? There's some Peter Beta music we got to put in right now in the thing. here i believe we have a volunteer anderson do you have any idea what you're doing what's in the box blockbuster production with a devilishly unpredictable plot i regret it already turtles can fly 2004 film anderson you and bruce take it away well, I will. Uh, first of all, I want to say that I went back and re-listened to your review with Brian on this movie. So I, I kind of wanted to see after after I watched this movie. So I was really interested to to kind of see what your take was after I'd seen it. And I definitely don't agree with. I think Brian was saying it was too screamy and and like I don't know. Anyway, we'll we'll talk about it. I, I don't agree with him. <laughs> Brian, hey, we, before before we move on to this one, real, real quick, I yeah. I meant to ask earlier. Did did have any of you guys seen last year's Close? No. I I don't Close. watch movies, Anderson. That that are, okay. are that are considered the best movies of the year. We only watch okay. stuff on in our emails. But I hear it's good. I hear the yeah. Quiet Girl's good too. I hear Afterson's good. Are, are you trying to look for films towards the end of the year to to watch for your? Well, no. Brian just reviewed Close and he fell asleep twice during it. And he said it was a, the way he put it was he said it was aggressively slow. Um, and that's I, it. Sounds like of a, uh, of an age a little bit uh, similar, oh, I think. And oh. uh, I was just wondering. Uh, if if either I, I wanted to get your take well, on it, but uh, I have I have close on downstairs. I have a close on a FYC screener link. You can't borrow it though. Can you? You know, Anderson, you're the worst. Right? See, you're see the worst. this is it, Greg. Greg, what you got to do? What you got to do is uh-uh. I'm not saying you're going to do this, but what mm-hmm. you could do no, no. is you could send it to one of us, yes. and then we could tell you what your review is, so you can oh. review it. Oh yeah, <laughs> something in it for you, Greg. Smart, smart. Turtles can fly. Beautiful Turtles movie. Can fly. Screaming. 2004. Yeah. 2004, uh, directed by Baman Gabadi. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow, this movie. This uh, I I remember. <laughs> I remember when Anderson talked about this. How he said it was like this discovery, and I agree. This is a discovery. This is woefully untalked about movie. Mm. Basic concept is you are at the border of Turkey and Iraq, and this is at right before the um, Bush, well, second Bush kind of invasion of Iraq, and there's this Kurdish village as well as a refugee camp right at the border there of turkey and iraq and is it iraq all, i think it's iraq and iran isn't it 
It's an Iraq Iranian co-production, but I believe yeah. the actual camp oh, the actual takes borders. place okay. in Iraq. With the, and they uh, have with the Iranian refugees. refugees in there. They, I mean, there's a whole bunch of different refugees in there. And there's in this camp, there's like all this, you know, leftover machinery and vehicles from other wars because it's constantly war torn in that area. But the basic concept is that right out of the, out of the gate, you are kind of just dropped in with these various kids. And these kids are all ranging from, I don't know, 12, 8, 10, 11, somewhere in that range, like late. The toddler. Yeah, well, there's a toddler too, yes, that comes in great effect there. And you have the, the main character you got is Satellite. He's kind of the the go-getter, the doer, the, the hustler. Hustler. The hustler, yeah. He's the guy who gets stuff done. He's the kid who gets stuff done. He, you know, gathers all the kind of kids and helps them, you know, make money by collecting mines to be sold. And he, you know, haggles and gets, you know, a certain amount of money for that mines. And he has his kind of minions. He has this one dude that's kind of basically got one leg that's all withered, and he's a guy's basically one legged, and he's kind of one of his main friends. And the inciting incident of this movie is some new refugee kids come into camp. One of them has no arms. His sister comes into camp, Agrin, and their little, little brother or whoever it is, there's another little kid that's with them. And the little sister, Agrin, who's probably, I'd say she's also about 12 or so, definitely catches Satellite's eye. Satellite is interested in her, but she's really, really aloof. And that's about all you need to know. There isn't really like a major plot line of this movie other than it's kind of day in the life of what it is to be a refugee in the situation. And then there is a, mm, how much do we say, Anderson? You, you could kick off a little more there. Uh, I mean, I think you've said quite quite a bit enough. And I don't want to scare people away with like some kind of love interest because this, this movie is Yeah, no, 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 a, I, no. A, a little touch of that. But we, you know, it, it's a tough sell because it is hard to watch. It, it is yeah. eye-opening to the atrocities of... Uh, humanity in many, many ways that we, we, we all hear about the conflict and, you know, that, that things aren't too great after the war is over and whatnot. And we see that firsthand. And this is not a documentary, but it feels more real no. than a lot of documentaries that, I, that I've seen. These kids are real. They aren't actors, I, I, but they give stirring performances. And, uh, the, the lead kid, I mean, Brian and I had an argument about this. Uh, he saw him as exploiting these younger kids. I saw him as just, mm -hmm. you know, doing anything means to survive for these kids. Otherwise they're just going to starve to death on the side of the road because there's just not enough resources and services to, to deal with these refugees and these kids. So satellite is the only one who speaks enough English, knows how techno te technology works. And he's got pull in that region and he can make it work with the situation, which I found inspiring. And, um, yeah. The yeah, with each layer, what I was starting to say, each layer that gets peeled back, it's like, oh, geez, it's even worse than you thought, too, especially with the <laughs> with the little girl, yes, and the kid, and it's it's just it's sickening, but it's inspiring at the same time, and it uh, kind of all lives and dies with Satellite's performance and whether or not you like Satellite. I thought Satellite was fantastic. He's the main kid, the mm -hmm. hustler that we talked that Bruce talked about, and uh, right down to the very end, where like satellite keeps talking you know that the light at the end of the tunnel and the americans are coming the americans are coming and everything is going to be great and uh it kind of was shades of um to a lesser degree or to a greater degree i should say uh of when obama was about to get elected and everyone's like you know everyone's life is going to change yeah. and it's going to be great and you know things are going to be rosy and beautiful and everything's going to be like sugar gum drops and 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 fantastic and taxes will go and everything's going to be perfect and it leads up to that. I'm not going to get into like actually what that is once Americans do arrive, but uh, it's 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 just a, it's it's one of those movies that just will forever stick with you. And, and, yes. Uh, the fact that no one talks about this movie, which just and from a we're not even talking about the filmmaking part of it and just how hard that must have been to wrangle all these kids, get the performances out of them uh, to actually shoot in that region that still was, you know, not not uh, the safest uh, at the time. Uh, it's just a movie that should should be you know on on a household name i think everyone should be at least aware of my mom should know the name of this movie and no one talks about this movie i'd like to thank byron uh klosterman who uh he uh, originally assigned it to brian and i um last year on the film vault and it's by far the best movie i've, I've ever been assigned uh in that exercise that we do oh so wow when you were talking about that i was just reminding me like it kind of is similar in some ways to like we were just talking about the first step and how people pick their sides and then they pick, you know, like if I'm on this side, it's going to be great. Or on this side, it's going to be great. When like the humanity in between is kind of the real reality yeah. of the world. And this movie, it kind of really focuses on that. It's super, super into 
being a human being and being compassionate and understanding what real human beings are, in, are encountering. And by just focusing on these kids, there's, there are adults, but they're almost, it's almost like a, a peanuts, right? Where the adults are, you don't even see them. They're just like these hazy characters in the background that hardly do anything. Cause they don't, they just have their crouching. Yeah. And um, you are really focused on these kids and the stuff that's befall them is, is war. And it doesn't really matter which side is coming through and these promises of like, of a great, you know, future. Well, as you see the events slowly unfold here, you kind of get a feeling for like what the real reality is and how the reality is war. The reality is, is, is terrible things are going to happen to these kids because they aren't cared about. Um, All of that being said, this isn't the same oppressive watch to me, at least of something like come and see like this is hard to watch, but there's an energy to it. I don't know how to describe the energy. It. You're right. You're absolutely yeah. correct. It's inspiring at times watching these kids actually yeah. come up through the muck and actually do what needs to be done and take it. And there's some levity to it. And yeah. the performances and like you, that the kid that you mentioned earlier with the, with the withered leg, like, yeah, like he's got like this, this just optimism about him and this, these movie star, good looks. And uh, yeah, I, it's not it's not just all doom and gloom, and you don't have that first person POV that you do with Come and See, and you, it's not like you lose hearing for like half of the movie while you're right. Come and See. <laughs> like you, you're actually there and you're with it, and it's it's poetic right to the end where like the kids become invisible at the end from a per- certain point of view, which I thought was very telling uh, when they were the focal point of the of the movie up until that point. And it's just, it's just one of these, uh, you know, it's, it's all about empathy and this really, it's beyond empathy. It, it helps you understand what is actually happening. I think. So Anderson, I'm assuming you're giving it five stars. Yeah, this is a five-star movie. Yeah. What about you, Bruce? Yeah, I agree. It's a five-star movie. Yes, absolutely. And you can find this. Where can we find this? I wanted to say. Like Canopy Hoopla kind of thing? I think so. I think I even found copies on YouTube. I think this has probably got really weird rights. I have a feeling until this gets picked up by some boutique, which it, maybe it has, but I don't think so. Unless it gets picked up by a Criterion or something, which it should, then it probably will be kind of hard to get still. But if you look at look for it, you can find it. Anderson, before we go, we wrap up this the episode. Can you just tell our listeners? After Sun, you said your your opinions on After Sun changed. Has it gotten deeper for you? Would you recommend people go out if it's in theaters to actually see After Sun because it's getting a lot of buzz and what the best is it a best picture nominee? I think yeah. So no, I, I don't think so. Is it? Oh, I no no. He's just, he's up for best actor, which kind oh, best of, actor of all Scott. the things that to love about um, After Sun, I would not say that his performance is is one of the top ten even. Uh, he's good. He's fine. He's serviceable. But no, it's just it's a, a movie that does not go down smooth. It's not like a real enjoyable watch. It's it's not even necessarily gripping while you're watching it. However, she is his daughter. It's just a, a father and his daughter, uh, 11-year-old daughter on vacation in Turkey for a week. And we, we learn fairly quickly that um, this vacation, it, it happened a while ago. And uh, it's uh, being watched. It's being remembered by the now growing 11-year-old daughter. And it's her memories of uh, her father and uh, what that relationship was like. And it's one of those things where if you've if you've ever spent time with, you know, family members, there's going to be probably like um, moments or trips such as this one that kind of stand out and are defining moments for your relationship, especially when the, the father's estranged, as is the case here, because there's a divorce involved. And it's it's her recounting trying to grapple with, you know, what her relationship with her dad was missing because she's, you know, estranged and she's now growing and we're not exactly sure where the relationship is. And it comes down to while I'm watching it, I'm like, you know, this is good. I'm not loving it. It's not gripping, but then it has one of the most powerful wallops of an ending, I think. And this not like gotcha or like didn't see that coming, but like, Oh wow. And then I'm speaking about this by myself, right? Neither one of you guys have seen it. No. No. Okay. And then it's one of those things where I continue to think about that and what that means and what, but it's really a lot of it is about relationships and memories and what memories do to relationships and what you can do in the here and the now. And, uh, you know, it's, it might be a bit of a stretch to, you know, say that it's, it's more about carpe diem than anything else. But for me, that's how I kind of, especially being a, a father, uh, it, it definitely gave me pause and it's made me think quite a bit. Okay, before we go, Anderson, you're rating on Aftersun. I, I don't know anything about this whole relationship business, but um, you know, is it a good movie? You know, on the on the rating thing, yeah. Four point five. It'd be like you watching like home movies with your dad and remembering your dad, but you have some issues with your dad and you're angry with your dad. I mean, that's and it's really interesting how the filmmaker 
did it too because we we go to this like nightclub and we see uh the the growing version of the daughter and she's like in this nightclub with all these strobing lights and you're like is that her i'm not really sure where are we what's going on and then it cuts back to their vacation and but it's seen it's it's almost seamless it's it's very very well done and uh i would give it 4.5 stars which very is cool. I would have never dreamt that as I'm watching it. I'm like, this is, you know, three stars at best. Why do people like this movie? What's going on? <laughs> I didn't even know he was up for best actor. And I was, I was shocked to learn that after watching it, but the little girl, uh, I'm not doing any credits or anything. I'm not doing any favors, but she is uh, phenomenal. She is fantastic. Oh, very good. Very good. So that's after and Hopefully we'll get to see it Bruce sooner, down, sooner than later down the road. Anderson, before we go, you want to have a, you want to plug anything? You want to say anything? You want to? Yeah, for sure. Charlotte Wells is the director. I, I should have said that she also wrote it. It's her directorial debut. And uh, Frankie Corio is uh, plays the eleven year old daughter to uh, it's Caleb and Sophie. And Paul Mescal is the one who's up for best actor, which confounds me. Okay, Anderson and I are off right now to do some California splitting and parallax viewing. <laughs> and uh, Anderson, Excellent. anything else you want to say before we get out of here? No, guys, I love the show. Love what you guys are doing. And I love listening to it when I'm on it. On it. So uh, keep up the good work. And, uh, you know, I get it. Like, you, you, like, how much work did you put in uh, watching in... movies that you didn't even love? Like uh, uh, The no, Bone I, Woman, you know? I, no, no, no. Sarah, the I don't, Bone Woman. I don't, I, Bruce I, and I Aaron said... spent collectively like four hours watching that movie, taking notes. Yeah. And then they talk about it for, you know, like five minutes just to warn us not to really watch it unless we're into that kind of thing. You yeah, know, can I, you stop giving them credit, Anderson? Because I just give them movies that I don't want, I don't want to watch. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, like, I'm not very grateful for things. Okay. So Greg, stop. you got an easy uh, job. You can, you don't even have to watch your movies. You can just say, like, of an age, uh, four stars. So, you know, you can flip a coin and say four or five stars. You, you know what I mean? Like, I know what you mean. I don't watch these movies. Final thoughts. As per usual, from Bruce Berkey. <laughs> My final thought is, once again, congratulations on 20 years. 20 years. No problem. And I have only been listening to 14 years of it. <laughs> Whatever it's been. And just remember, they seriously do it for Van Gogh, I guess. Right? Is that the way to go? How do we end this thing? How do you guys come up Usually with Usually it's me something, saying something really stupid, so I don't want to do it this week. Someone else say something stupid. <laughs> no, I'm great. Stupid, though. Something stupid. stupid. Okay, something stupid. Greg Swizzabasti, next week. Bye.